Would you go in the scriptures with me this uh, morning to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We've been on a series for some weeks now called Victory Over Death. Everybody say victory Victory. over death. death. In verse 54 of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, he said, uh, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. He'd been talking about this all the way from verse 1. This whole chapter is on this subject about death and about resurrection. And uh, he said death is the last enemy that will be put underfoot. Death is not a friend. Uh, We were actually not created to die. It's because of sin. The wages of sin is death. Keep reading. He said, uh, oh, death. Where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Now you know you got something strong working in you. When you can stand out by the grave. Even if it's a friend or loved one's body in the casket. And you can stand there and be sassy. Instead of grieving your heart out. You can stand there and go grave. I don't feel you. I don't feel no sting. I don't fear your bite, death. Grave, you got no victory. None. None. You got no victory. What did the next verse say? Verse 57? Verse 50, go ahead to that. It said, thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that verse has been used talking about victory over Sin, victory over poverty, victory over disease, and I believe that's applicable, but specifically speaking, he was talking about death through this whole chapter. So thanks be unto God who gives us victory over what? Victory over death. Amen. Say it out loud. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory over death. Through my Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was raised. So will I be. (laughs) Go to Hebrews. Second chapter. Hebrews 2. Verse 14. Says for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. He that's Jesus. Himself likewise took part of the same. That through death, that's the only way it could be done. That's why he had to die. Through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. Up until then, the devil had the power of death. Did Jesus do this or not? Did he, did he destroy him? Through his dying... And then his resurrection, did he destroy the one who had the power of death so that he no longer has it? Revelation, Jesus said, I've got the keys to death. If you got the keys, you're in control of it. And there's going to come a time, not too distant future here, 
There will be no more crying, no more dying. We've never been in a world like that. No hospitals, no cemeteries, no funerals, no mental institutions. Come on, are you listening to me? None of that ever again. Say it out loud. No more crying. No more dying. A lot of us are over halfway through with our assignment down here, man. We're, we're soon to get out. It's, this is the roughest thing we'll ever do. The roughest part's happening right now. After this, it's just joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we can make it a few more days down here. The Lord's helping us, right? We can finish our assignment. We can run our race. He went on to say in verse 15, Through Jesus dying and destroying him that had the power of death, what did he do for us? And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now there is a list of phobias that you can find and read about that is longer than your arm. Fear of spiders, fear of snakes, fear of uh, chocolate. Fear of heights, fear of depths, fear of being in a crowd, fear of being alone, you name it. But all of these are really fear of death. They are. They're attached to it. That's what their root is. People say, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just afraid of flying. No, you're not afraid of flying. You're afraid of, ooh, boom, crashing and dying. <laughs> you're afraid of dying. You're not just afraid of heights. You're afraid of falling and splat. You're afraid of dying. And you are not fit and ready to live until you are no longer afraid to die. Now, if you're not a believer, you should be concerned. Do not leave this world in your sins and without Jesus. There is something worse than this life. Hell, we talked about it. And if this is your first time to be with us, we, we've covered a lot of ground. And so go get the materials. It won't cost you anything. Go online, download the previous messages. If you're in the building, go back to the Word Supply. This is important. We've already heard a lot of good testimonies of people that had been, maybe they'd had sicknesses or our mama had something or daddy or grandpa had something and, and that thought was in your mind and maybe that could happen to you or this one or that one and they're just dread and, and people don't want to go to hospitals and don't want to be around funerals or any, why? Or somebody talks about dying, oh don't talk about that. Dread, fear, the Bible said it makes you susceptible to being in bondage. You're in bondage your whole life long. We should be completely fearless about dying. Now, how many think you ought to get ready to go? Look at your neighbor, ask them, say, you ready to go? (laughs) Huh? You ready to go? Now, you may be like uh, (laughs) getting a lot of response out of the crowd here. You may be like. Years ago, these guys were walking down this dirt road, and they met some other folks, strangers, and their pastor had been kind of riding them about being evangelistic, and, and you know, kind of boldly. And so they were going to try it out, and they met these guys, and they said, they just stopped. They didn't know each other. They said, you want to go to heaven? 
guy said, no. He said, no? You mean you don't want to go to heaven when you die? He said, oh, sure. He said, I thought you was getting up a load right now. (laughs) So we're not necessarily getting up a load right now. But we've talked about this with 7 billion people on the planet. There are a continuous huge inflow of arrivals that's births and departures people leaving here that's deaths they tell us that just a little over every second two people die somewhere on the planet that there will be what some 155,000 or so that died somewhere on the planet today before, before the day's over and how many is still around that were born in the 1600s how many? Absolutely not a one. And if the Lord tears his coming another couple hundred years, how many of us will still be here? How many? You sure? You won't be here? Huh? You sure you won't be here? There's no way you'll be here. I know some years ago I was looking at the calendars and I was praying and thinking about meetings and thinking about ministry and and I, I went on and looked at, you know, 2010 and 2015 and 2020 and 2030. And I was thinking about, you know, I don't know all the things going to happen. I was just kind of praying and looking. And, and finally I got to a place and I thought, whoa, whoa, wait. Uh, I probably won't be here <laughs> that far out. And we need, the Bible tells us to pray and say, Lord, teach us how brief. Our, our time is, and to number our days, we need to live with that awareness because I asked the Lord actually some years ago, I'd seen some things that were just tragic and just just really wrench your heart, and I just kind of sat down in my chair and I said, God, the love I have is from you, and nobody cares more or loves more than you. I said, how do you tolerate this? The, the evil and, and the pain and the suffering. I said, it, and it bothers me. How do you tolerate it? And just like that, he answered me. And I, I can't describe the tone, the way, but it was love. And he said, son, it's very brief. He's telling me how he tolerated. From his perspective, even if it was... 30 years of suffering, it's just, it's just like that, and it's done. That's, and, of course, redemptive plan is available to anybody that will lay hold of it, right? But uh, are you ready to go? Because soon and very soon, we're out of here. Would you go with me to um, Colossians, please? Chapter 3. What happens when you die? It's not an unknown. The Bible tells you what happens when you die. Uh, Ecclesiastes, you don't have to turn to these. You're going to Colossians 3. Ecclesiastes 12.7 says, The dust shall return to the earth as it was. Our bodies are made out of it. And the spirit shall return to God who gave it. When you die... Physically, your spirit leaves your body. James says, the body without the spirit is dead. It's compared 
to, in the Chaldean language, to pulling a sword out of a sheath. It's like pulling a, uh, a hand out of a glove when your spirit comes out of your body. I know uh, Brother Hagin said as a teenage boy he died and then came back. And, and he described one time when he came back, he said, it's, it's just like putting your boot on in the morning. He said he, he went back in his body through his mouth. Well, you know, spirit, the same words used translated spirit as translated breath. And of course, when you die, there's no more breath. Why? Because the spirit's gone. And uh, it's interesting that uh, I don't care whether it's a 16-year-old over in Europe or it's an 80-year-old in Montana and they went to totally different churches uh, or no church. When people die and knows the few that have come back and described it, over and over again you hear the same thing. The person says all at once, they're above looking down on their body. And a lot of times whoever's around, they're hearing them and seeing things. And a lot of times it takes a little while for them to realize. I've heard several of them describe and say they looked at their body and thought, look at that poor deer. Boy, they need some help. And it took them a while to realize that that was their body. But then they said they, they didn't care. It's like, whew, I'm glad I'm out of here. And the senses and the, the sight and the sound, everything was just off the chart compared to being in this body. This is a dull veil. We're seeing everything uh, blurry. We're hearing everything. We're perceiving because of the curse, because of this flesh, we're dulled down, dumbed down. And when we get out of here, it's going to be like you took off your blinders, you opened up your hearing, your, all your senses are just going to go. Glory to God. We're going to see colors we never saw. We're going to hear sounds we never heard. We're going to experience sensations we never experienced. And uh, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And to depart and be with Christ is far better. And gain. Gain. People talk about sorry for your loss when people die. Well, if they're believers... You didn't lose them. And then they talk about them. You know, they say, well, where'd you bury them? You didn't. They're not there. That's their body. But they're not there. Where are they? Talking about, are they over there in the casket? They're not there. When you die, you go up or you go down. You don't hang around. (laughs) People talk about, what about people haunting places No, no, human spirits don't just get to hang around on the earth after they leave their body. A lot of time, if if there is some kind of spiritual phenomena, it's a lot of times evil spirits that are impersonating folks and things. They are people that are, excuse me, spirits that are familiar with individuals. They know stuff about them. And that's one of the reasons the Lord told us, do not seek soothsayers and fortune tellers all this kind of stuff, because you just open yourself up to be deceived and duped. And people say, well, it was real, it was spiritual. I don't doubt that. That don't mean it was God, it don't mean it was them. The devil can do some things too. You do not need to 
call in and, and have your stars read or your palm read. Come on, are you listening to me? Uh, you're just opening yourself up to be deceived by the enemy. Do not do it. You don't need that. You got the real thing. You got the Holy Spirit. He's real. And anything you need to know, he'll help you and show you. Well, to depart and be with the Lord. That's what happens. You slip out of your body and you go to be with him. You find Colossians? Third chapter, please. And the first verse. It says, if you be risen with Christ, do what? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, there's no doubt where he's talking about this is the heaven of heavens, where God is. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God. You know, we have more than one description of that throne. Ezekiel saw it. John saw it. He recorded in Revelation. He described how it looked like sapphire and how there was a sea in front of it and how there was a rainbow like after a big rain uh, around about it. And part of it looked like emerald and how that God uh, looked like fire. Some descriptions say like glowing metal and uh, he, he, he didn't see his face necessarily, but he saw his form sitting on the throne. And then there were the winged creatures. Brother Hagin said he saw them one time. He said they're strange looking. He said they got eyes that go all the way around their head. And they look in every direction at once. Well, we never saw anything like that, have we? <laughs> they're, they're real. And uh, the Bible tells us we're to seek those things there. Keep reading in verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Today's English version, the TEV, says it like this. It says, verse 1, you have been raised to life with Christ. So set your hearts on the things that are in heaven. Say it out loud. Set your heart on the things that are in heaven. And he's very specific what heaven he's talking about, where Christ is sitting on his throne at the right side of God. You and I are supposed to think about that and be mindful of that and set our heart on that while we're living here. Verse 2, keep your minds fixed on things there, not on things here on the earth. Have we been doing that? Most people have not. In fact, there's kind of this unspoken belief that we're really not supposed to think too much about heaven. And that God really hadn't told us much of anything because he didn't want us to know much of anything. And, and, and then you hear people say little phrases like, well, you know, you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Well, what they're talking about is being goofy minded. You know, some kind of fantasy stuff, well, yeah, that's, that's going to profit anybody. But no, actually, being heavenly minded helps you live right yes. here on the earth. Our Jesus is there. Our Father is there. Our relatives are there. Our friends are there. Our mansion is there. 
Our property is there. Our citizenship is there. Down here, it's the briefest thing we'll ever do. We are truly just a passing through. It's the truth. I know it seems like a while, but this is the only thing we've ever done so far. When the Lord calls us his little children, it's not a figure of speech. We really are newbies. In this whole, I don't care if you're 100 years old, you are God's little one. You're just getting started in this. And out past this life is where it really starts getting interesting. This is training time. God's teaching us how to trust him and live by faith and and follow him and obey him. All the things we're learning, we will take our spiritual development into the next part. We will. The Bible says that your works will follow you. You, What you have done will go with you. The Bible says you will have possessions there. We've talked about it. Let me give you some scripture. Is this okay with you this uh, this morning? Uh, Don't turn there, but Hebrews 10.34 Hebrews 10.34, he said concerning them, he said, uh, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. They had some of their stuff taken from them. And he said, you took it with joy. How could you take it with joy? People taking away your car, your house, your stuff, your, your clothes, your jewelry. Because you know that you have in heaven better stuff and lasting stuff. They didn't get your good china. <laughs> They, they can't get your good stuff. Didn't the Bible say if you, if you give to the Lord and you give to his people and you give to the poor, you lay up treasure in heaven where moth can't corrupt it, thieves can't steal it. Hmm? Say it out loud. My good stuff is up there. <laughs> so if something happens to your stuff down here, do not fall off your chair. Don't, don't sweat it. It's all just temporary. Everything down here, everything down here is like a gallon of milk. What do you mean? It's got a date on it. And it ain't lasting long. It's just good to use for a little while. And then everything down here. Did you know the Bible said even the elements themselves are going to melt with fervent heat? Everything, there's not going to be anything down here saved. Nothing. There's going to be a new heaven. And new earth. I know years ago I was. Uh, I overheard some of the Rhema students. Where I was teaching there at Rhema. Uh, talking about some things. It was the beginning of the year. And uh, one guy. Just, he's supposed to be testifying. But he's just really bragging. About all the stuff he had. It was a little annoying and irritating. And, and uh, a couple of the others were listening there. Kind of shuffling their feet. And you know. Trying to be polite. Finally one young guy. He just piped up. He said. Well, he said, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. Because <laughs> you ain't taking it with you. Right? You're not. Nobody brought anything in. Nobody's taking anything out in as far as natural, physical stuff. But your works do go with you, spiritual works, and your spiritual development. The Bible said you, you have possessions there. We just got through, through reading about it. You know, there's actually some things that were on earth that are there now, one of which is the Ark of the Covenant. 
John said revelation during his experience. He saw it. Well, at one time it was down here. You know, the priests were hauling it around. And God said, that's mine. I want it up here. Heaven's real. I said, heaven's real. And um, everything that's been prepared for us, the Bible tells us you should be thinking about that. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Right? We should not live down here like this is everything. Like our possessions, our retirement, our this is this is everything. This is going to make us happy forever. You're not going to be here but about another 30 minutes, God time. Thank God for some nice things we can use and our needs met. We're thankful for that. And especially things we can use to love and bless other people and help other people. It's wonderful. But it's very, very temporary. But you got stuff up there. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say, I got stuff. (laughs) One fella, uh, he actually fell from a height and his head hit the sidewalk. And he died. When they got to him, no pulse, no anything. But you know, they worked on him. I don't forget what kind of length of time. And after several times, they finally got him back. And he told them when uh, he got back that he went to heaven. Well, you know, when you die, what did the Bible say? You depart, go to be with Christ. You're a believer. And so he told them, he said, uh, I saw my place. He said, you saw your place? I saw my place, he said. What do you mean? He said, man. He said, I had real estate. <laughs> See, people got this idea of little white cookie cutter structures, you know, maybe with some columns in the front. Da, 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 da. He, said, he said, I had a lake. He said, I had a mountain behind my house. He said, it's everything I ever wanted. And he said, I saw the Lord. I said, Lord, this is just, this is amazing. How did you know? I didn't even know I liked that. He said, how how did you know? And he said, now listen to this, listen to this. He said, the Lord looked at him and smiled. And he said, I know what each of my children like. And I custom build their abodes for them. That word abode is the actual word that's used in John where he said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. That word is abode. Uh, one word it's kin to is manor. Manor is a landed estate. And I don't think they're going to all be cookie cutter because we don't all like the same thing, do we? I mean, wonder what your place is like. They're working on it right now. What did Jesus say? If it wasn't so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I am coming back for you. That where I am, you're going to live with me. You're going to stay with me. This is not a fairy tale. Wonder what your place looks like. Wonder what's there. You got stuff. Brother Jesse Duplantis had an experience where he went to, uh, uh, to heaven. He described it. He said the Lord let him see his house. And he said when he came into the foyer, he said it was just everything he would ever have desired. He said he had some pieces of furniture in his house that were similar to some he had down here. But he said there was one piece in the foyer. He never saw anything like it. And the angel that was with him, and he said, where did that come from? He said, he said, the angel, what, how, exactly how did he say it? He said, uh, if I remember exactly, he said, the great Lord God. 
knew you would like it. Amen. <laughs> it's from him. <laughs> Can you imagine you going into your place and you got somebody over, you know, I come over to see you and I go, now that is a chair. <laughs> Where did you get that chair? And you fold your hands, you go, the father gave me that chair. The father. He sent some angels over here and they said, the father wants you to have this chair. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Say it out loud. I have a place. I have stuff. My citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20, you know, says that. Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Just won't you lift your hand right now and just thank God for just a moment that he loves us like this and he has done so much for us. Oh, thank you, Lord. There has been this misconception that we're not supposed to know about any of that. And we're, we're really not supposed to think about any of that. That is not true. That's contrary to verses we've already read this morning. Did the Bible tell you you ought to have your mind on it? You ought to be thinking about it. Why? Because if all you do is live for the here and now, you're going to live a carnal life. But if you see this as temporary and this is not your main thing that you should rush after and and desire, the Bible said the we that have this hope, this glorious hope of Jesus' return and taking us with him, he says you've got that hope in you, it purifies you. You'll live differently when your focus is there instead of here. It won't hurt you. It won't make you no good. It will help you live right and holy and pure. So are we supposed to be thinking about heaven all the time? Is, are we supposed to be mindful of things above, not on things on the earth? He said it very specifically. It's the truth. And so we, let's do it. Let's make the adjustments. Say it out loud. Lord, I I pray. pray. Remind me of this. this. Tonight, Tonight. tomorrow, Tomorrow. from now on. on. Remind me me. to set my heart heart. and my mind mind. where you are are. in heaven, heaven. where my things in heaven are, are. where my future is is. with you. you. Glory to God. Why should we be so focused on here? We're not here for that much longer. We should be thinking about where we're going. Back in 2005, I believe it was May the 21st, my my father, my dad, went home to be with the Lord. And the way it happened, it troubled me when it happened. Those of you that have been in the church since then, you heard me talk about it and, and what the Lord how the Lord ministered to me. Always real close to my to my dad. Man, he he was a buddy to us boys, me and my brother. He he taught me how to fight, taught me how to eat ice cream, taught me how to get rubber in second gear in a Mustang, <laughs> how to pop a wheelie, how to shoot firearms, you know, important stuff. <laughs> And we were, uh, our family just had a 
we had we had a great time, me and my brother and him and mom. My mother's here today. Would you stand, mom, and wave to the crowd? Thank you, mom. Uh, anyway, mom and dad's very supportive of us in the ministry from the very beginning. Thank God didn't have some of the struggles a lot of people have. Uh, even though other folks might have thought I lost it, they didn't. Even if they didn't understand, they stayed hooked, believed, believed in us, prayed for us. And so uh, they saw the, uh, he saw the, with mom the start of this church here and some other things. And, and uh, we were able to take them with us to a meeting uh, that we were going to have down in Florida. And they were going to come be with us for that week and be in the meetings with us. So uh, he and mom were in the plane with me. We were going down there. Now he had had a real fear of flying. And he didn't like it. And so I, I didn't push it for years. I, you know, it was a big deal to me, but he didn't want to do it. But he, he was not the kind of guy that just let something whip him. He, he said, uh, you know, this thing was not going to beat him, and he wasn't going to miss out on things like that uh, because of a fear. And so he, he told me he was going to go. And I thought, well, oh, okay. And, and so we, we went, and on the way down there, as we're flying over, actually, very close to where the new church is. <laughs> In the air, several thousand feet, he died. And I'm flying, and he's in the back, and it seemed like it took a half a day to get that plane down on the ground and landed and meet the ambulance. But I had to fly the plane, and he was gone. And the next few, three weeks actually, I, it troubled me. It bothered me. He wasn't that old. And I thought, God, you know, there were things I wanted to do and we wanted to do and we had plans and we didn't have to do that flight. Did I miss you? Did, should I have said no? You know, don't, don't do it. Don't go. And you know how that kind of thing. I, I cried. I, I prayed. I, I was troubled. I was vexed. And um, I was confident he was in heaven, but I don't like missing it. Yeah, that's right. I don't like being robbed of anything down here. And if you were around then, you know that I, I mentioned at one point that God ministered to me yeah. wonderfully. And that, and that grief left me. What I didn't tell you is that the way he ministered to me is he let me go see my dad. And I didn't know if I would ever tell that. But while we were in this series now, the Lord prompted me a number of weeks ago, tell it. It was so precious to me, I didn't tell it and didn't really want to. But I'm telling you this morning. And I didn't realize till 2 o'clock in the morning, this morning, that it was exactly to the day, seven years ago, that this experience happened. It was the, um, the 10th of June, 2005. It was three weeks after my dad went home. In the morning, I was waking up, 
And I left here. Glory to God. I said, did you, did your body go? I don't know. I wouldn't say that. But I know I left here and I went somewhere. And the next thing I knew, I wasn't here any longer. I was in this huge, and, and some of these words I'm using are not adequate. It reminded me of a mall, like a shopping mall, but it, I don't think there was any shopping going on. But it reminded me of that, but it, was, it had no top. It was open air. But the reason it reminded me, you know how like in a mall, there's activity there, there's something going on here, and there's something different going on in this spot, something different going on in this spot. That's how it was, and there were people all over the place doing things. There's activity there, lots of it. And I almost didn't want to tell this part, but, but the Lord prompted me to tell it, so I'm telling it. I had some kind of a cycle. Maybe I shouldn't call it. It was cycle-like. It was bigger than a big bicycle, like a big swing or something. It was bigger than that, but it was smaller than like a big Harley motorcycle. And it was sleek. <laughs> Never saw anything like it, ever. I, I hesitate to use the comparison, but it's the only thing I've ever seen that looked like it. Did you see the Terminator 2? And the new and improved Terminator that was like that liquid chrome, that's what it looked like. It looked like it was made out of liquid chrome. Very, very sleek. And, I'm, and, and I rode that, that, whatever it was, <laughs> down this big thoroughway. And there were these, these pockets of activity Mall-like, that may not be the best word, all over. And I knew my daddy was there. I just knew it. And so I uh, turned this way and I went this way and I went on down here and I saw him. (laughs) Words can't describe seeing a loved one that you know is gone I, I, I hollered, Daddy! <laughs> and we ran and embraced. And the, the comfort is tangible. It's, it's like a liquid you could feel. I mean, the moment I grabbed him and hugged him, there was no grief in me anymore. None. It, it left me after the experience, I, I went into the kitchen and I sat down. I looked for some grief. I couldn't find any. None. There was, there was nothing. None. Because it was so supernatural. And uh, when I, I turned him loose and I backed up and I looked at him. And I'd never saw him like this. His hair was jet black. Shiny. Jet black. And of course, you know, for the past many decades, his hair had been, a lot of it was gone, and, and, and what was left was real white and gray. His hair was jet black. And he, you talking about looking like a million bucks. 
that, that's not a high enough figure. He, he looked like maybe he was in his 20s. He looked amazing. I never saw him down here where he looked like that. And uh, they'd get up uh, again. He, he helped me with this. What happened? We're, we're in this throughway, this big, wide, almost like a road that went down the middle of this huge mall like area. And so at that point, he and I, he and I were like this. <laughs> we were like this. We stayed this way the whole time. And we, we, we walked down through there. <laughs> Thank you. And I said, I said, Daddy, it's so wonderful to see you. He said, it's so wonderful to see you. And I can't describe But I wanted to tell him about all the things that had happened in the ministry and the work of God. And he wanted to know. I didn't think about it till later. We didn't talk about one natural thing. Nothing about a house or a car or anything. Not one thing. All we, all we were interested in was what had happened. And here's something that I don't understand. But time was so different. I was telling him about things that haven't happened yet. As of this day. A lot of stuff. And it was like I was visiting him, not from where I was that day, but from the future. Don't ask me to explain it. I'm still pondering it. It was an interesting sensation. It's like you were in more than one place time-wise. You were there, but you had been there. And you also had been there. And we were just ecstatic. You got loved ones up there? Yes. Huh? Yes. They're in good shape. You should not be concerned about them. We kept going down through this throughway. And uh, there were people doing things. And we came by these two guys over here, and one of them said, Brother Key. I stopped and said, huh? Another guy said, it's Brother Key. I said, hey. They said, hey, it's great to see you, man. And so me and Dad turned over there, and they were so nice, and they were so respectful. And one of them said, uh, he just started quoting things I had preached. He he looked at the other guy and kind of twinkled his eye. He said, if it's not quiet, it's not right. <laughs> Some things I had preached before. And the other guy said, man, that helped me so much when I was on the earth. And they started naming things. He said, man, that encouraged me. That helped me. That helped me get through this. That helped me deal with that. How many believe what we do down here affects things and will be remembered? Into, well, don't you think you'll remember things that helped you? You think you'll forget it? No, you go remember. And people that God used to help you. I was just, I was so happy they knew me. And they remembered that. It just, it blessed me so much. And so, Dad and I were all hugged up and, and we kept going down uh, through that throughway. And 
And we're talking, just, just talking fast as we can about uh, this had happened and that had happened and the other happened and things in the work of God and the kingdom of God. And finally, I, I begin to tell, we're getting to a place I couldn't go any further. And boy, I didn't really want to get there, but I looked at him one last time and just like that, I was gone. And next thing I know, I was, I was back at my house. But the comfort, it's in me right now. It has ne- it, it, it never left me. It's tangible. And I believe one of the reasons the Lord would have me talk about it is that he would minister that comfort to you and to anybody else that will hear and receive this. Look with me in, in 2 Corinthians and the first chapter. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. He said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of what? He is the God of all comfort. Keep reading verse 4. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Now notice this. Everything God gives you is not supposed to just end with you. It's ultimately for you to give somebody else. Can you see this? Including comfort. Do you believe there is supernatural comfort? Remember 1 Thessalonians 4. He talked about how the Lord's going to come back and with a shout and the dead in Christ are going to rise and and he's going to bring with him. Well, they got to be with him. If he's going to bring them with him, they're there. Why should we be thinking about heaven? Our Father's there. Our Lord is there. Our family is there. Our friends are there. Our house is there. Our stuff is there. Right? Why shouldn't we be thinking about that? The scripture said that, you know, this is going to happen and dead in Christ are going to rise and we're going to be changed. We're going to rise to meet them in the air. He said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. There is supernatural anointing that comforts in those words. I've experienced it personally. When, that, when I hugged da- my daddy, something went through me. And it's like I couldn't grieve anymore. Amen. <laughs> what would I be grieving about? I'm hugging him. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh, that, that comfort is tangible now. Keep, keep reading verse 3. He comforts us in all our tribulation. To what end? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Such as you have. That's what you can give and minister. And this whole series, this word of the Lord to us about victory over death has been to deliver us from the fear of death and empower us and minister to us the comfort of God so that we do not sorrow. We do not grieve like those who have no hope. And I want you to stand up on your feet. I want to pray over you that the Lord would minister. I believe it's already been happening, but that the Lord would minister a full measure of this comfort to you 
And I want you to open up yourself to it and receive it by faith. And also there will be times, maybe in the near future, or in days to come, that uh, somebody's hurting, somebody's sorrowing and grieving, and you'll have this comfort in you to minister to them. And God will give you words and give you things to say in scriptures that will cause that comfort to come into them. Just close your eyes and lift up your your hearts and your, your mind on things above. Everybody said out loud, Father God, I believe your words. You are real. Heaven is real. All the patriarchs, the people of God, my family members and friends are there with you. It's real. It's real. And, I thank you and I thank you that we don't have to sorrow like those who have no hope. We have a sure hope. It's an anchor to my soul. I receive the supernatural comfort of the Holy Spirit. Come into me. me. Fill me. me. Displace Displace. all grief grief. and sorrow. sorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peace to you. Peace on you. Peace upon you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, set your mind there. The Lord will let you touch things. You don't have to have an experience to touch things with your spirit. You can touch the reality of it by faith. And through that opening in heaven, real tangible comfort comes into you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.